I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. Welcome. Open your Bibles, please. We're back to book of Colossians, where we find that Paul is on the journey to bring Christ as glorious and supreme in our lives. This book is about the fullness of Christ. And the point for Paul to write this letter to Colossians to encourage them that all they need in this life and after is Christ. And the, the journey that he leads them on, he wants to make Christ so supreme, so big, so huge, because Christ, as attested, he is full of the knowledge of God. He is full of the pleasure of God because he is full of God. And as we get him to know Christ, who is supreme, who is so cool, so big, so full of God, and we come into his presence, we are getting filled with Christ. And that's Paul. He's saying that I want you to stay strong and secure in the faith of this Lord Jesus Christ. So, in this text, as we come, as we... Um, Come closer to Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 and 27. We're going to read these verses. And I'll concentrate just on a few verses this morning. And the point of this passage is that Christ is so supreme and so great. He is the one who fills us with joy. But this joy does not come without, not without sufferings. Joy worth suffering Four. And you could notice that Paul is shifting from the ministry of Christ, which is all we need, to his own ministry. And his own ministry requires a lot of things, and one of the things that requires is sufferings. Let's read this together. Verse 24 to 27, it says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh... I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the worship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. Now, we will talk about joy in sufferings this morning. Joy and sufferings don't normally go together. It's not normally to think, oh, I'm going to rejoice in my sufferings. Uh, they seem to be on the opposite poles of their world. When I have a headache... I usually look for, not for joy, but for pill. I want to relieve my pain, and I want to enjoy pain less. And if you are like me, you probably do the same. And I tend, tend to think that it is, these are incompatible ideas. How in the world, who would be in his right mind to think, to rejoice in sufferings, but the Bible somehow puts those two ideas together. 
many times you read your Bible and you, you hit this and it hits you like a ton of bricks, like James 1, 1 and 2. He said, rejoice in various trials. And, I, and you say, well, I know I have to rejoice, but I just do not know how. 1 Peter 4.13 says, to the degree that you shared the sufferings of Christ, sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Matthew 5.12, Jesus bids us. He said, when they're going to persecute you and, and bitch you and, 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 and abuse you, you rejoice and be glad. And you would say, yes, right. I understand that in my head, but how do I do that? Is that even possible? And the question for us is, how is it possible that God is leading us to rejoice in the midst of our sufferings? What is the secret of sufferings? Uh, of joy and sufferings. And, and the secret is really simple. The secret is in the gospel. The secret is in the gospel. Because there is no gospel, as you know it, without sufferings. Can you imagine the gospel without sufferings? Jesus has to die before he has to resurrect. We celebrated last time with the church and Mike brought us the glories of resurrection. The essence of, of the gospel is the resurrection. But brothers, sisters, there is no joy of the resurrection without his death. There is no joy. And therefore, there is no glory without the sufferings. And there is no good news of salvation without the bad news of sufferings. In fact, if you take away sufferings from the gospel, you have no gospel. Sufferings of Christ are so fundamental to the good news as his resurrection. But this part of the gospel, we don't really like. Because it bids us to suffer. Now, I want to quote from Lombard. He, he says, we are not to call not, not called to rejoice at sufferings in and of itself. Sufferings is bad. Sufferings is hard. And sufferings often come at the hand of a wicked people. Therefore, we do not rejoice in sufferings because we love the sufferings in and of itself. We rejoice in sufferings because we look toward to what God is able to do through our sufferings. Now, I'm going to... Uh, encourage you to ditch your outline, whatever you have posted, because I'm not going to follow that. Uh, I don't want to point one thing from this passage. One thing, and I'll give you three sub-points. The point is that in, in making Christ supreme, you will experience a lot of pain. But making Christ supreme will bring you supreme joy. Making Christ full, making Christ proclaim will cause you a lot of sufferings, but it will lead you to joy. Remember that. Remember that. And we talk about sufferings from this passage because Paul says here in verse 24, now I rejoice in my sufferings. Now I want to take us in three stages. Number one, sufferings are norm of Christian 
life. Sufferings are flowing from the gospel. It is norm of Christian life. Paul says, not accidentally, that now I rejoice. Just now, I rejoice. And before I didn't, he said, no. He brought us into his spectrum, into his circumstances. Now, I rejoice. And if you remember where now Paul was, that now was in jail. He now, at that time, experienced sufferings. And he experienced sufferings not because he did something bad, but because he proclaimed Christ. You see, his attitude in these sufferings comes from understanding that sufferings are not something accidental that happened to you. Sufferings is just normal Christian experience in life and in ministry. Every one of us will suffer. Now, there are great differences between the sufferings that is a result of the evil world and the sin in the world, rebelling against God, and the Christian sufferings. In the first sufferings, everybody is there. Everyone suffers through because of some sicknesses, epidemics, or some, some loss of health or death and stuff. That is a cause because of, of the sin and the rebellion of, of man against God. And this, everyone participates in that. And there's nothing specifically Christian about those sufferings. We all go through that. You hit yourself and you're suffering and you're pain and pain. But there's another sufferings that, that distinctively Christian sufferings. Distinctively Christian sufferings is when you are full of spirit of God, bringing the news of gospel to other people and you suffer for that. First, you can't avoid. Second, you can. And therefore, Paul says, in order to experience the joy like I do, brothers and sisters, embrace that sufferings are norm. It's not an accident. It is a norm of Christian life. Don't be ashamed of that. Many people suffer. In, in, you will suffer whether you are homestay mom or you're a pastor. Every pastor I spoke to who has been in the ministry for some time can identify with sufferings in Christian light when you bring the ministry of gospel and ministry of Christ and good news and you get rejected. And for Paul was norm. He said, look, now I am in prison for you. I am in sufferings for your sake. Paul says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But Paul said anywhere he goes, it's not only here, anywhere he goes, his ministry was kind of like wrapped in sufferings. <laughs> it seems like Paul looked for suffering himself. And when he signed up for ministry, this was explicitly told to Paul. This is going to be a norm of your ministry. You will suffer a lot. Remember, the prophet comes to him and says, go, uh, uh, Jesus tells in Acts 9.15, he says, go for he, Paul, is chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul suffered. He embraced suffering as his norm, normal deal in his ministry. You know, it's one thing to accept, okay, Paul, 
he was a minister of God who was specifically commissioned to bring the gospel, but I'm not like that. Uh, sufferings might be a part of the gospel what Jesus went through, but it's not part of my deal with Jesus. But it is. It is. Because if you will bring gospel like Paul in any aspect, whether it's across the country or across the street, that includes sufferings. Now, in order to experience the joy, you have to embrace and say, well, this is necessary. This is, this is a part of Christian experience. And Paul is putting his money where his mouth is. He said, I, I told you to rejoice, but now I rejoice. I rejoice, even though I am away from you from this, in the spirit. In chapter 2, verse 1, he said, I, I tell you how much great struggle I have on your behalf, but I rejoice because you're staying strong. It is not easy to do, as we said, but embracing that it is our part. But the interesting part is, it's not that you only gonna su- that you're gonna suffer, and this is a normal Christian life and experience. What Paul's saying here that he is not suffering for himself. You see, this idea, it's also everywhere in Scripture that we, when we suffer, we be, get pure, we get better, we get more mature. Like Romans five three, Paul. Says, because it brings our character to maturity. When you suffer, you are, you are taking dross from, God has taken dross from you and making you something beautiful, more like Christ. Uh, James says the same thing. Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Why? Because it produces steadfastness of your faith. One pastor says, in the fire of affliction, all we lose is a dross. And this is what Job said. In Job 23.10, he said, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. But Paul, take it a step further, said, I'm not suffering right now. And the point of my suffering and joy in this is not because I'm getting better. It's because I'm getting mature and because my faith is getting stronger, but because I suffer that I suffer. And in this, I find joy. Yes, sufferings are designed by God to mature us, but the joy and sufferings Paul is talking about here is saying that I am benefiting with my attitude of joy when I see you benefiting in Christ. For instance, many of us could suffer for our own benefit. This is easier. Now, many of you went through some school in, in maybe older age when you were, you know, trying to get your education and you were experiencing certain problems, financial problem. Your wife took, pick up a slack and she worked some and allowed you to finish your, your school. You, you didn't sleep enough. You didn't eat properly. You, you uh, didn't spend time with your family. But at the end, at the end, when you got that, whatever, RN degree and stuff and job, you benefited. And this is normal. This is good. And you secure your financial situation for your family, but you benefited. And this is good. But Paul says, I'm suffering for you. And I'm losing. But you're gaining. And I'm happy. See, this is the heart of the gospel. 
because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Jesus suffered for us. He suffered for us. There is a word in the gospel presentation, very small word, for. In in, in Greek is huper. It's, It's just for instead of. We suffer because we want to bring benefit to someone else. Paul says, look with me. Verse 24 says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is his church. And verse 25, that God made me a minister and bestowed on me the stewardship on your behalf. You see, Paul's joy in sufferings, when he embraced that this is a norm, but norm is not only to mature himself, but a norm when you bring the gospel to others. And you become this bridge that will require sufferings. Now, as I said, these type of sufferings uh, are, are by choice. They're by choice. Paul, Paul have to choose those sufferings. He, it didn't happen to him. He, he chose it. It's, it's the same way as Jesus chose to go and suffer for you and me. Paul chose to bring the gospel to Asia. And if he would not choose these sufferings, knowing that this is a normal thing as he brings the suffering, he will not establish the church there. You see, he chose. Don't you think that Paul would like to sit in his own home at his couch Enjoying a nice meal, going to the church like for a long time, not just like for, for like three weeks and where he just go and be a pastor there and he enjoy his family, he enjoys his personal freedom. Don't you think that he enjoys those things? He did, but he chose to enjoy something else. It is not that Paul enjoys sufferings. He enjoyed the product of sufferings. He enjoyed the preacher comfort, but he chose to suffer a loss for the benefit of another. The joy in suffering for others is rooted not in what you're gaining, but in what others are gaining at your expense. The joy comes when you enrich others with Christ. And when you see Christ in their eyes and in their hearts and in their lives, And because you love Christ so much, you are rejoicing even though it caused you pain. You know, parents can easily identify with that. Tell me if you you would see your son or your daughter hurting, that you would not in a heartbeat to choose gladly to suffer instead of him. Oh, I would. Oh, Jesus did. Paul did. How are we different? You see, in order to make Christ supreme and glorious, you will have to go through sufferings, but it will bring you joy. It will bring you joy like nothing else. Nothing else. The number two point that I want to make, so, Number one, sufferings are norm. Our norm of, of Christian life, norm of Christian ministry, 
the ministry of the gospel, it flows from the gospel and you will suffer as you bring the good news to others, but it is good and you will rejoice in that. The number two, sufferings are, are not only norm, they are necessary. They are must. They are necessary. You know, you can't avoid that. You're going to ditch the whole work of evangelism and whole work of teaching people God's word if you want to avoid sufferings. It comes with that. It's just bound with that. You know, there's a mantra, the world mantra, something goes something like that. Do not get hurt for the ones who are not worth of suffering for. <laughs> well, in that case, no one is worth suffering for. So you're going to choose someone who's going to benefit you so you could suffer for them. But it's necessary. And Paul says here, look, that now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I do my share. I do my share. Like, what are you talking about, Paul? Like, what share that you have to do? Didn't Christ do everything already? Like, didn't he suffer enough? But Paul says, no, no, in my body, my body, there's a requirement of a personal sufferings. In my body, I do my share. And he calls us to also to do our share. He said, in my flesh. What Paul says is here, I need my body to suffer for the body of Christ. That's what he's saying. It is plain our words here. So he's my flesh for his body. Christ suffer in his physical body for my salvation. I suffer in my physical body for his body, which is Christ. Church. Now, these sufferings are real for Paul because he says in my flesh, first of all, I experienced much trouble. And, and Paul experienced many troubles in his flesh. You know, we see in, 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 in 2 Corinthians when he, when he said that I have, I have lost a lot of stuff. I sleepless nights, you know, beaten three, three times with rods, five times with, uh, with 39 lashes and often hungry often just on the verge of death, shipwrecks, and, and, and concern for the church. My body's aching. In my flesh, and experience this trouble. His, his, his sufferings were not just virtual, some kind of theoretical. It was real. He lost his freedom. And he said, but I do that because it's must. I have to do my part of sufferings. I have to do my part. I'm becoming a partner with Christ. Now, now he says, well, I'm filling up what was lacking. <laughs> and when you, when you go to this verse, you scratch on your head. And it's like, what is that? What does that mean? Like how in the world, Paul, you could add anything to Christ's sufferings. When Christ cried out and he said, it is finished. It is finished. You just described Paul, uh, uh, Jesus, that he's fulfilled. Fulfill all the ministry because he's full of God. In what word you are filling up? And Paul says, well, it's exactly what he's saying. I take my part in filling up. It's like if we have a, a bucket or, or just a jar that was filled with water or wine, and everybody takes his part and take the cup and just fill and goes in the line just filling up the part. That's what Paul says. Well, I'm in line with Christ filling up the sufferings. By the way, I'm filling up what is lacking. That's what's interesting. What is lacking in Christ's sufferings? Now, you have to go to one place 
with me to First uh, Corinthians sixteen seventeen, and that will help us. And just mark it there, First Corinthians sixteen seventeen. Mark it there because because it's going to explain uh, what does it mean. What does it mean later on? Like I already mentioned, that it it definitely does not mean that Christ lacks something for salvation. Uh, Christ's sufferings are completely enough for saving the worst sinner. Uh, we don't need martyrs to add on. This is a, a distinctly Roman Catholic church doctrine that Paul was somehow uh, in his righteousness suffered not only for his own sins, but there was enough righteousness in him and credit that when he suffered, he also suffered like Christ for others so that you could benefit from, from Paul's sufferings. So in the purgatory, for instance, if you, if you pay enough in a church, money to the church, they would transfer from Paul's righteousness to your dad's or to your grandma. But that doesn't totally mean because that is violate every other passage of scripture that it is enough of Christ's sufferings and by one sacrifice, he cleansed everyone. But what does it mean then? What does it mean? Now in 1 Corinthians 16, 17, Paul says, I rejoice over the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaicus because they have supplied what was lacking on your part. What was lacking in Paul is not that he lacked money. They brought the money, but it was lacking their personal interaction with them. It was lacking the messenger. It was lacking the the delivery guy. You see, the gospel comes in not in a drop-up as the as the Amazon package drop-up. Like you don't know the guy, you just you just there at your at your door steps. And you come out and it's like, oh, that's a goodie. That's not how gospel works. Gospel always is brought by the messenger. And and if you don't like the message, you're gonna shoot the messenger. And that's what Paul is saying. I am filling up what is lacking. Christ is now in heaven. And he cannot deliver it physically to your door, to your face, to your family, this gospel. I am the transportation. I am the messenger. And I am willing to take sufferings because there is no way that I'll bring the gospel without it. And in that way, because I become a personal delivery for Christ to you, in that way, something that Christ can He's right at the right hand of the Father. What was lacking is his personal interaction with you, like he interacted with Paul and with Peter. Now, I could do that. And it says Paul is saying, Jesus, since you're up there and you're praying for us, now you gave us the body, so we be delivery messengers of your message of love toward people. See, I like how one pastor said, Christ's sufferings was for propitiation. Our sufferings are for proclamation. We're proclaiming in sufferings. We don't suffer for to save people. There's nothing that we could add to Christ's sufferings and that to the cross. But what Christ requires to add is to be able to suffer as you deliver the message. See, the gospel is the personal message of God's love was bound up in Christ, and that requires a personal delivery. How many of you 
got saved from angel preaching to them. Or because they saw some kind of post somewhere and they just, you know, you come to Christ. I, I assume most of you came to Christ because someone took the pain to preach to you. How many of you raise children just by giving them books? Just read this book or just read that book without personal interaction and teaching them the whole counsel of God. It's impossible. That is why the sufferings are not only norm, they're a must. It's a necessary thing. And you take sufferings away from the preaching of the word, you have no preaching of the word. You will bail. And in this way, Paul is like Jesus. Like in this way, he's, he's suffering like Jesus, not in a salvific way, but he suffers because he wants to other to gain of Christ. Christ laid all the privileges in heaven. He laid all his life on the cross. He became sin for us, making us totally righteous. He separated from God's glory for a while, and he shed his own life and blood. Why? So that we become rich. Look, when you preach the gospel to your children, to your spouse, and it doesn't matter whether they're believers or not, when you preach, you will em- embrace these sufferings. But so what? So what? You're enriching people with Christ. And maybe you're thinking, wow, I'm glad that the Lord hasn't called me into the ministry because that ministry looks really, you know, gray and, 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 and scary. And I don't like to suffer. But if you know Christ and if you love Christ, he has called you into your own ministry. There is your ministry. Because as we would see, they're suffering with the purpose. Purpose to bring salvation to men. And every one of us are included. Every one of us included. It says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, personally, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Of this church, I was made a minister, according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I may fully carry out preaching of the word of God. Sufferings are norm. Sufferings are necessary. And sufferings have a purpose. There's a purpose. And the purpose is very clear. He said, I want to make sure that I preach this, the word of grace, word of God, fully, make it fully known to all the people with the purpose, not just to make them know that they may believe and stand firm, that they would come to a completion and be complete man and stand secure in Christ. For this ministry, he said, there's a purpose for all of these sufferings and rejoicing because I have to bring the word of God to them. He said, I made a servant. I made a servant by God, a minister of the church. And, and notice that Paul says here how he looks, talks about himself. He said, of this church, I was made a minister. You know, if, if, you, if you go back, Paul likes to talk about himself that he's commissioned by God, right? In, in chapter one, verse one, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. 
And when you talk about apostle, there is like a glory in an authority. It's like, man, this is a man in charge, apostle who brings the message of God, and he could write the word of God. He could say things to the church. But he said he, here, he said, of this church, it was made a minister. And the word minister here is deacon. Now, if you think it's deacon is something like, oh, it's a less than pastor. What's well, a glorious thing? It's a servanthood. And Paul says, I am not just an apostle of God, commissioned by God, but I'm a minister of the church. God appoints me to serve people with his message in his church for their benefit. He identified himself as a minister of the gospel, but here he identifies as a minister of the church. Do you see the difference? The apostle bears responsibility, the authority, this one bears responsibility. Perhaps many of us wanted to have authority in some kind of aspect, but what Paul says, I have responsibility of the gospel. I have the purpose to complete. I have to bring the word of God to the full knowledge, to the full extent because God commissioned me to. That will require a lot of sufferings, but it requires a lot of joy. Paul says, I have a special ministry, though, uh, here. In this general broad scope of, of bringing the gospel and being delivery, and, and I have a special task, which, which actually caused him a great deal of sufferings by itself. But he said, God made me a steward or the administrator. I have to break the news. He said, there is a mystery that was hidden from the ages past, but now it's been revealed. And the mystery that he's talking about he's, is the plan to include Gentiles in the church. Now, this was a radical idea. The word of grace comes to these pagans, and they are now uh, are given an opportunity to be rich in all the glories of Christ, in all the glories of, of God, and that they would be manifesting God, and that there would be delight to the world. Incredible. But this is the plan of God and the purpose of God that the Gentiles would believe. And it was radical, radical. I mean, today it's hard to think, but even today we have this races and the battle of races. I, I read funny illustration about Bishop John, John Green of Sydney, he tells about working with a group of boys as he was delivering them or transporting them from school and school bus. And some were, um, some were of Aboriginal blood and some were of English descent. And how these racial tensions were such that they would sit peaceably with one another to some time, but then it would erupt with arguments. And one day when they were out of hand, he stopped the bus, ordered them to go out, and he told them that they were no longer black or white, but they were green. And he lined them up in alternate order, and he said, before you go to the bus, you say, I'm green. And so they did. And he got them back in the bus. So they drove along quietly, integrated, until he heard a voice from the back of the bus saying, okay, light green on this side and dark green on the other. You see, we separate from one another because you know, the, we think that we're better in some way. But Paul says, well, the, the mystery of God, of Christ, is that he's nullifying those differences. Now, you're, we're all red. 
because we are washed by the blood of Christ. We're all the same. There's no distinction. Later on, he would go into that. There's no distinction between Greeks and, 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 and the Jews, and there's no distinction between women and, and men in that regard. Social status doesn't matter because the gospel of Christ reaching out to everyone. Oh, that's radical. And Paul has to break this news. And he said, well, this is a mystery, which is no longer a mystery. It was the secret of God, but now it's revealed. And now you could understand what Paul, when, when Psalmist in Psalm 67, verse 2 says, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. And people didn't get this before, but now you have. Why? Because someone took the pain to bring this message and Paul had a mission here. I mean, he had a specific mission to, to bring this, this news to Gentiles and to deal with Jews and revolting them and ignoring them. And Paul said, well, now I'm going to Gentiles. This is my ministry. That's what he do, is, is doing. He said, I'm suffering on your behalf, church, on your behalf, Gentile church. But notice that Paul's mission is not to simply to spread the news, to drop the bomb of the gospel, and to just to proclaim, you know, this is easy. That, that doesn't require as much sufferings. It does. You know, I have to take my time off. I have to take my, you know, my priorities, my values, and I have to go and preach the, the gospel, and I have to teach this gospel. But it's done in a personal matter because Paul wants them not just to hear, but to believe. He wants them to believe. That's different. It's easy to just preach to you so that you would know, but preach to you so that you would believe that sufferings are norm, that they are necessary, that they have a purpose so we could take the gospel so people would believe. That's different. That's different. He is here to make known fully the word of God, right? The preaching of the, the word of God fully, carrying out the preaching. But he says, that is the mystery, verse 26, which has been hidden from the past ages, that generation, but has been manifested to his saints to whom God will to make known what? What is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's aiming at the embracing Christ to the point that it, he is your glory. You see, the mission of the word is to save people. The mission of the word is to transform people. It's to bring Christ to them. It's to make full of Christ. And the mission of the word is our mission. Our mission is not just to preach. Our mission is to carry out the word of God so that they believe. So that compel them to come to Christ who is their glory. It's interesting that Paul says here in verse 25 that he said, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. But in original, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say preaching because it's in cursive. It, it's not there. And, and what he strictly say that I may fill the word of God. That I may fill the word of God. Now, you may think that he's an apostle. He is writing the word of God and he's filling the Bible with the word of God. But what he's talking about is a purpose. He said, I came here to fulfill the word of God. 
What was promised to the Gentiles, I came here to fulfill. I want them to believe and to embrace. And I'm making a history as I go. Romans 15, 19, Paul is talking about his ministry. And he said, well, I figured out that I don't want to go to Jews anymore because they rejected me. And, and there's no, no gain there. But uh, I'm going to go to Gentiles who will accept. And he said, as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Why? Because this was the purpose of preaching to spread out the, to the glories of Christ and spread out his word. And Paul took every opportunity to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ. And that is why he's preaching. It's not just embrace like commission and to preach. And he says, I want to do it on your behalf, on your behalf. And in this way, Paul saw his sufferings glorious and they brought him a lot of joy. And when you and me will take sufferings in this way, it's an opportunity to bring Christ to others to make a lot of Christ in people. Now you see, we said that your joy is kind of depending on how much you proclaim Christ and make him supreme in the world. Because whatever you love, you will make it obvious. You will make it obvious. If you are if your favorite caller, let's say, great, I'm sure I'm coming to your house and I'll see a lot of things great, like kitchen, you know, floor, and walls, and maybe too much gray. But if you love something, you make it visible. You put it on display. Like, that's what we do with idols. If we like idols, we, we'll, we'll make it visible. Uh, but we also do, when we like something, we multiply it. We multiply it. Uh, we like a lot of it. Um, if you like children, right, uh, you'll have children. Like, you'll have one or two. If you really, really like children, you'll have four or five, right? So you multiply because what you like. Uh, and if you li like, you know, things, you're going to multiply them. But if our love is, is Christ, if our love is this glorious Savior. And if we love him so much, don't you want to multiply him in people that he will be full of this world? You want to preach to the people. You want to teach your children of God's word so that they will be like Christ, full of Christ. We want to make him obvious not only in our lives, not only for our benefit, but also for the benefit of another. See, that joy is distinctively Christian. Joy and the benefit of another when they are full of Christ. That is Christian. Now, there's a few things that could kill that joy. Is jealousy. You... Remember, you're jealous of something. You're bound up in yourself and in your benefit. Um, jealousy are, are incomparable, uh, in, 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 uh, incompatible with the gospel. It just, you can't. You can't preach the gospel, even if you like it, that you're jealous that other people would believe. That was Pharisee. Pharisees didn't like when people come to the knowledge 
because they felt that they're sharing something that is distinctively theirs. But I want to ask you today, are you rejoicing in the success of others? And what do you do for that? What are you doing for that? Uh, and if you, if you experience that, how far are you willing to go? Like how much sufferings, I would guess, you would embrace on behalf of others? So, as we conclude, I want to encourage you that the, the supreme joy that often comes from a lot of hardship, the supreme joy comes from proclaiming supreme Christ. Father, we thank you for this time and that you're teaching us from the word of God. Make us able, Lord, to believe in the gospel, which is gospel of sufferings, and yet gospel of joy. And whatever we are uh, in a situation that you would teach us and, and mature us, but also lead us a step further that we could rejoice in the glory of others. When, when people are full of Christ, that will bring a great joy for your followers. Help us to embrace as Jesus suffered for his followers, his followers might suffer as well. Amen.